We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Welcome back to the Wednesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark here on Sirius XM Channel 84, College Sports Radio. Rob Dawson here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. I got Chris uh, Chris Mack with me. He is supporting his favorite player in college basketball, Adam Flagler. Uh, we have... A loaded Wait, show. I'm not supporting the Philadelphia Eagles. We're not talking about you today, Goodman. <laughs> it's not about you. It's not always about you. Can you let him um, do the intro, please? Yeah. We have we have a loaded show today. We got uh, Oklahoma and Baylor are playing right now. We're going to be live on series after Alabama and Florida uh, finish playing. That is a 30-point game with four minutes left. Hopefully, it's a quick finish. We got to talk about uh, Iowa State losing at West Virginia. And I need to convince you guys, because I'm on the bandwagon, I need to convince you guys that Creighton is actually the best team in the Big East right now, best suited for March. But before we do any of that, uh, Tennessee, the number six team in the country, went on the road. Went into Nashville, went into Vanderbilt, and they lost at the buzzer, uh, buzzer 66-65. to 65. Tyron Lawrence hit a game-winning three from the corner. He got it off with about .1 seconds left on the clock. Goodman, I've been on this bandwagon. I know you've been on this bandwagon as well. Uh-huh. Tennessee uh-huh. is uh, the most vulnerable high seed that we're going to see in the NCAA tournament. True or false? No, true. Or you could say the most fraudulent high seed uh in the country trying to be nice here man i'm trying to be nice mighty man fraudulent you love that word (laughs) i'm just saying like they ran the 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 shit up to for the net rankings so that they're like number one two whatever they are not and have never been the number one or two team in the country i know they beat kansas back in november that was a hell of a win but if you look at who they've beaten in the (laughs) sec and some of the teams they have pounded up on in non-conference I mean, let me read you their SEC wins, all right? Two against Mississippi State. At home now, uh, they, they, they've beaten uh, Georgia, Auburn. They've beaten Vandy. They've beaten Old Miss, South Carolina, LSU. How many of those teams will be in the NCAA tournament? I will say one, and it's Auburn. And they are fairly fraudulent as well. Not so to me, this Tennessee team is a good team. It's a top 20 team, nothing more, nothing less. That's what they are. They don't have a big time score. They're great defensively, great elite, 
but they don't have a dude that you can give the ball to and say, hey, go make a play. Uh, I, I agree with a lot of that. Mac, I want to ask you this question before we get into Tennessee. You've known Goodman for a long time. What does he like saying more? So damn good or calling somebody a fraud? Right now it's frauds, frauds, and fraudulent. <laughs> he loves he loves that word. I mean, he's calling Tennessee fraudulent. I mean, like, first of all, their defense is, is phenomenal. They don't have the offensive firepower that they've had over the last three or four years. I think they can beat anybody in the country. But I also think that, you know, they, they could be a quick out simply because they're going to get into situations where it's really it's really tough for them to score, you know, and they can defend anybody. You know, I, I think you credit Coach Barnes and staff. The kids are locked in. Um, they know how to defend. They rely on each other. They trust in each other. But I just think offensively they're going to have some nights and, and that could happen in the first round of the NCAA tournament. You know, you're going to have they're going to have some nights where they just can't score real well. They don't Small have that guard. one guy. Yeah. Here's Small the thing. Guards. They don't have that yeah. one guy that when stuff kind of gets bogged down, you could just throw it to and they can create something out of nothing. Like in, in March, in a seven-game series, that's a little bit less of a concern. When you're talking about a full season sample size, it's a little bit less of a concern. But when it's one and done, losing, you go home, you need somebody that can make something easy when it's not coming yeah, to Yeah, inside or outside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they don't necessarily have a guy that, like, you know, can really demand a double team, can really, you know, take somebody off the bounce. Um, that's 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 their Achilles heel. I mean, look at their losses, right? And everybody says, well, Colorado at home, that was way back when, second game. It still counts, by the way. Uh, Kentucky at home. Kentucky, last I checked, probably on the wrong side of the bubble. At Florida. Florida's getting run right now uh, by <laughs> Alabama. They're on the wrong side of the bubble. And now at Vandy. I mean, Stack's done nothing with that program in four years. So that's honestly four losses today to non-tournament teams. They have one good loss at Arizona. That's it. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. They're, they're a team that is uh, – it's concerning to watch them play because of the struggles they have offensively as we pivot to I'm another team them. that is – Hey, no matter what, I'm picking them to lose in the, in the first week. I don't care who they play. doesn't matter. They could play – uh, Vassar, they could play Flagler College. It doesn't matter. I'm picking them to lose in the first week. I, I promise you, if they play Vassar, they are going to win that basketball game. I don't know. There's you know, no the crazy thing is they're looking at a W if the kid just goes in and lays it in with 12 seconds to go. Yeah. Right? The boy back out. That's that's the that's the hard part of it. They've been that's up four. Pulled yeah. it back. Yeah. Hey, uh, Mac, Mac, if you're if you're Rick Barnes, right, and you know that you're Julian Phillips is your your kind of five-star superstar, right? Probably the highest ceiling guy you have on that roster. My opinion is that if you really want to make a run in March, you got to find a way to make Julian Phillips be the guy that gets things easy for you, right? You got to find a way to get him more involved. How do you deal with that now? Like that is a – that's the kind of thing that can kill a kid's confidence, right? When when you look in a situation and it's like one play at the end of the game and you can kind of say it costs him the game, that one play right there. That's probably yeah. a lot to put on him and maybe isn't fair, but. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's tough. They got senior guards, you know? And so it's like, those guys are then going to defer to a young guy and, you know, giving the ball down the stretch, but you know, they, they've got to figure it out. They've got to figure out when like the going gets tough and they're in a really close game, a one possession game, like what are they going to, who are they going to? And they, they don't have that yet. And uh, you know, coach Barnes is a terrific coach. You see it. His program is, is there year after year. Uh, they've got to figure it out here over the next month before the tournament comes around. Hey, Mac, Mac, they don't have it yet. 
It's not like they got Cam Thomas sitting down the end. I know. The I believe me. I know. All right. So they're not getting that right now. That's it. That's it. They're they're good frauds again. They're a great. They're, <laughs> listen, they're frauds as far as Final Four contenders, in my opinion. That's what they're frauds as. They're a top twenty team. I don't think they can win four straight games in the NCAA tournament. I, I agree. Frauds is just so malicious, though. It like, is. It's, it's just, just, it's just know, like, like it's like I'm you have to YouTube frauds. Everybody. That's the problem. I know. I called Auburn frauds, and then like I felt so bad about it. I'm never going to call somebody a fraud again because <laughs> it made a headline. Like the AL.com was the front page headline on their uh, on their main website. I was like, oh, man, that's... I like Bruce. Like I, I feel like I felt kind of like an asshole about that. You are um, an asshole. Yeah, that is true. We're talking about teams that can really guard that don't really have an offensive threat. Uh, Iowa State goes on the road, loses at West Virginia. West Virginia is much better than what their record and what their league record says that they are. But, Mac, there are uh, some warning signs with this Iowa State team. It's kind of the same situation. They can really guard. They make things uncomfortable for you. But when it comes down to it, when it's not cutting time, who are you giving the ball to? You know, as I was watching the game tonight, it wasn't even who, who they giving the ball to, you know, because the whole team had fouled out by the time they got down the stretch. <laughs> They're playing four on five. You know, like Lipsy's out there not even being guarded. He's their he's their point guard. You know, guys are going under ball screens. They're sitting in the middle of the lane. It's one thing if that's your small forward, you know, like Andre Jackson at UConn when that was happening to him. But it's another thing when it's your point guard. He's got to initiate. He's got to get around people. He's got to get in the lane. It's like it's hard to get in the lane when, when your defender's standing there. And I, I just feel like, you know, the last two games now, Iowa State, they, they haven't looked very good on offense. You know, I give TJ all the credit in the world because I thought when he went 1-3-1 tonight against, you know, uh, West Virginia, it really bothered them. It seemed like the way they got their points were, even though they were patient, seemed like they got their points just, I don't know, sort of chunky and and, and not very fluid. And that's what the 1-3-1 does for you. But I, I just don't think they're, they're good enough on the offensive end, a little bit like Tennessee, to make a deep run in March. Goodman, you agree? West Virginia is kind of the opposite, right? I mean, West Virginia has kind of flipped it. Uh, this year to where Hugs now has a really good offensive team and they're not quite as tough, not quite as good defensively, but they got some dudes that can break you down and make some plays. And Eric Stevenson's been awesome last three games and uh, he cooled off. He got hurt tonight, came back, didn't look himself. Uh, but some of the other guys stepped up. Emmett Matthews was great down the stretch. And I listen, personally, I would love to see, you know, uh, Hugs, almost 70 years old, get to the NCAA tournament and do what Bayheim hasn't done and just say, you know what, I'm out. I'm out. I'm going to go out um, on top if if that's what you want to call it, getting to the NCAA tournament, at least going out the right way. Because I think he's – I don't know if he's next, but I think he's among the next where NIL says, you know what, I don't want to deal with this shit anymore. Yeah. The here's the issue with West Virginia. They are 15 and nine overall right now. They are four and seven in their league. They are a 10 seed as of today in our fielding the 68 bracket. They are a top 20 team on Kempom. They have really good metrics on uh, in the net as well. Mac, you mentioned this last time we were on the coaches in that league know who has road games left against what teams. Here are the road games that West Virginia has left on their schedule. Uh -oh. Texas Baylor. Kansas and Iowa State. They still got to go on the road to play the four best teams in that conference. And they're already four and seven in the league. Like, look, I, I want them to get in. 
I love the story. I well, they had to win tonight. Yeah, had to I mean, win. I think that they were a really good team, but like, good luck, man. Yeah, you you got to go four and three down the stretch, and you have the four toughest games that you're going to play all season in conference left to play. I mean, you could be a really good team, which they are, and just you come up zero and four. But the thing about hugs teams is, I feel like those guys, Jeff may disagree this year. They're not the, the toughest in terms of like what you think about when you think of West Virginia toughness, but he's the type of coach that figures a game or two like that out on the road where you're like, Holy shit, man. I had no idea those guys were going to pull that one off. I don't know where it's going to be because those four games on the road are monster games, but well, they just got to win their three at home. They honestly mm-hmm. just, if they can beat Texas tech, Oklahoma state and Kansas state at home, very doable. Right. They go three and four. That puts them at seven and 11 in the league, seven and 11 in the Big East this year with what they did in that conference. Either one. Or the Big 12. Yeah. Right. That gets West West Virginia left the Big East like 10 years ago. Good. (laughs) But I I said Big East. Sorry. Big 12. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Hey, if they Um, steal one of those road games, they're looking all right. Iowa State last year was the same situation, right? They were 7 11 in the league and they got a, I believe it was an 11 seed and made a run. Uh, to the sweet 16 so it's doable um you i got just, my hat on for hugs yeah. too to try to get to the tournament i got the shirt on i got the shirt on for yeah, Deshaun butler my like, guy Deshaun butler i don't think people realize how much and, and mac you could talk a little bit about this because he kind of had the 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 black hat he was kind of the black sheep of of from the outside with college basketball but bob huggins's reputation within the coaching fraternity is what chris oh it's awesome i mean guys love him he's he's um He's just a normal dude, man. Loves his fishing. His players will run through a wall for him. That, that dates back all the way to, you know, when he was at Akron. Yeah. You know, he he's just uh, a guy that kids love playing for. And I don't think that's changed. Even though he's gotten older, he's not as fiery as he used to be. Yeah. Uh, although he was giving it to the ref on that charge call at the end. Um, but, yeah, I mean, H- Hugs is very well respected within the coaching community. You ever mm-hmm. been out with Hugs, listening to Hugs tell stories, Mac? I have. Usually, um, I, I head home. You know, when when he still stays out. You know, he's <laughs> he's well out. You know, after hours when when everything closes down, and uh, I usually had an eight a.m. or nine a.m. game. I was oh, trying you, to. You didn't make it for those eight a.m. Hey, sh- <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Go ahead. Uh, so Alabama and Florida just wrapped up here. This is a uh, field of 68 um, series XM channel 84 college sports radio. You can find us. Make sure you jump in the chat, ask us some questions. We're going to be answering questions during breaks uh, and in the afters, which comes after the show ends on Sirius. Uh, real quick. I want to ask you guys about Creighton because they went on the road tonight and they won at Seton hall for my money. This is the team that I think is the most dangerous in the big East when it comes to March. And the simple reason is this. They are really good offensively. They have multiple guards that can go get you a shot, and they can also really lock you up. My concern with Xavier and my concern with Marquette is on the defensive end of the floor. Marquette last night went into uh, Hartford. Uh, UConn hasn't made a shot in like six weeks, and they put up 84 on Marquette. You know, Xavier's had their issues on the defensive end. Is that crazy? Am I out of my mind to think that Creighton is the best suited to make a run in March, Mac? Well, I think they're starting to. I mean, they were the team that lost six in a row at one point. Think about this. They're 16 and eight. You know, you take those, obviously you're not taking them out, but that's 16 and two at the other games. I think they're on like a six game winning streak. Uh, you know, they got the big kid, Calcum Brenner back. Like he is, he's a load, man. He's getting more and more confident. And 
you know, they, they end up shooting 12 for 20 from the three-point line. You go against Seton Hall, who outside of Amir Dawes, their whole team was one for three from three. You know, it's just – it's two different styles of play. Everybody was talking about Seton Hall trying to muck it up. You got to be able to score. And they mm-hmm. couldn't match Creighton's ability to make shots. And I think that's something that Creighton can take into the postseason. And if they're shooting the ball well in March – they can play with anybody. They can yep. absolutely play with anybody. And again, Calcum Brenner's so damn big in there. Uh, he can affect shots. I, Max I think adding, little... adding vowels to his name. Yep. Adding Calc vowels. Brenner, Listen, we'd like to let, let us welcome in the, the people that just listened to Alabama beat Florida 97 to 69. This is the field of 68 after dark. We are live Sirius XM channel 84, Rob Doster, Chris Mack, Jeff Goodman. We are talking about Creighton right now in this moment. And Goodman Creighton was a team at the start of the season that everybody had as either the favorite or the second best team in the big East. They lost six in a row. A lot of that had to do with Calc Brenner. He missed some time. He was sick. Um, they look like they're hitting their stride, right? Well, they absolutely are hitting their stride. They won a whole bunch of games in a row. They're currently sitting one game out of first place in the Big East. My question to you, it's very clear that this is a team that basically has five guys, right? We see them go to their bench, think good things don't happen. They lose Calc Brenner. They lose six straight games. Are you worried about the fact that like a simple ankle sprain in the second round could torpedo a run? Because that's the biggest red flag to me with this group. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to ask Mac this after after I answer, but absolutely. I mean, you talk about Farabello playing about 15 minutes a game, uh, Frederick King playing about 10, Mason Miller playing about uh, 9 or 10. And I just don't know if that's enough with with injury. I, like, I'm not worried. Obviously, in the NCAA tournament with the, the media timeouts, I'm not as worried about that. I'm worried about foul trouble and injuries because, to me, I don't know if McDermott has developed that bench enough and pick and he couldn't for a while, right? You lose six straight. It's like, what can you do? You got to play your starters. You got to win. Every game matters. He hasn't had the luxury because of that six game losing streak to be able to throw in some of those guys like Farabello and, and King and Miller a little bit more, but Mac, like, what do you do with that? I mean, you're in a tough spot if you're, if you're Mac, uh, if you're McDermott, but, you got to find a way, don't you? Well, I think his depth, you know, had the opportunity to get a lot more minutes when Calk Brenner was out during the six-game losing streak. They were in different roles then. They had to produce way more. Obviously, if he goes down with an injury, you know, anybody goes down in, with an injury in the NCAA tournament, you know, it's not going to help your cause. Your team's going to look different. But, you know, outside of that, I think those guys got experience behind them. Um He's unique, man. He he can score it around the basket. He affects the game in a way that Creighton really hasn't had in a long time. And just just their let it fly mentality, again, in March, that that, that can just absolutely be a weapon that could propel you, you know, all the way to a Final Four. And they've got that type of ability, in my opinion. Yeah, and they can guard. They got the big fella inside. They're a really, really good team. Listen, we uh, we got to take a quick little break here. On the other side, we are going to talk about the Big 12, and I'm going to tell you why. There's one team that you want to bet it all on to win, uh, to make a run to the Final Four out of this conference. Dagan, what do we got in the chat? Let's do it here. Uh, let's keep it in. The Big East, while we're talking Big East. Where would you guys rank Marquette right now? 
after their loss to UConn in the, in, the, in the Big East. They still they still top two, top three. Where they where they? I sit. probably I'd would still have three. them second. So. I put them. Th- I got them three. I got them behind Creighton at the end of the day. I, yeah, I, I would say Xavier and Creighton to me are are, are the top two. I think. Um, yeah, Mark. I think Marquette would probably be three. I'm. You know, I'm I think Providence you, is like I think it's a very clear cut top four, and then how, whatever order you want to put those four in, like it's very hard to say that you're wrong with them. So right? you have UConn as a clear five. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say you have UConn in fifth, huh? Yep. I mean, in I the standings, they are. They're too easy to. They're too easy to scheme. They're against. tied for fifth, Goodman. Let's just say that they're tied for fifth. They're, they're too easy. They're too Seton easy Hall. to scheme against. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll give you that. Listen, Shaheen's done a hell of a job, and they played him tough until the last few minutes. So I give I give him credit. Yeah, uh, I, I think out of all those teams, Providence is probably the least talented on paper. Uh, but I think Cooley is the best at finding a way to maximize uh, the advantage he has in a single game setting. So I kind of, you know, yeah. they got two good Ten guards. Seconds. Hopkins is a monster. You know him. That's your guy, Mac. Yeah. You saw that first three shot the other night. I couldn't believe it. Three, two. Welcome back. Field of 68 after Dark. We are live. Sirius XM Channel 84, College Sports Radio. We're also live over on the Field of 68 YouTube channel. Make sure you jump over. Jump in the chat. We answer questions during the breaks. We will be hosting the afters after we are done on Sirius. You can ask us questions. We'll be live for about 20 minutes. Uh, We'll be making sure that we drink a little bit of the brown water. You know how it is. It's always fun in the afters. All right, guys. uh, I teased it before we left. Baylor. To me, uh, they just they just knocked off Oklahoma 82 to 72 at home. Uh, to me, they are the most dangerous team in uh, the Big 12, especially now that they've added uh, Jonathan Chamwell Chachua and the, the threat that he has apparently is a three point shooter. Apparently now he's a stretch <laughs> four, which is like one awesome. If he amazing. ends up being a knockdown shooter like that just becomes such an amazing story. I'm a huge fan of it. But <laughs> You give me those guards. You give me that depth. We've seen Scott do it in March. Goodman, like, am I am I crazy to say that? I know that they are. What are they now? Like in fourth place, maybe tied for third in the Big Twelve. Well, here's the thing. Again, guards win, right? Guards win in March, and who has better guard trio yep. than Scott Drew? Right. I mean, as long as they're healthy, and that that's the big if because they've been hurt a lot over the last year or so. L.J. Cryer got hurt again tonight. Uh, Adam Flagler's been banged up over the last year. Keontae George is a difference maker yes, because all three of them can shoot the hell out of it. Like, I honestly think when now Keontae is more of a scorer than a shooter, but the other two, every time the ball goes up, I legitimately think it's going in every time Cryer and Flagler shoot it. And, and again, you add Keontae, who's gotten better and better here over the year. He's He was very inconsistent earlier this season. And now he's starting to put some good games together back to back here. Uh, and now, like you said, you got Chamochachua who just plays with a ferocity like nobody else. Um, I, I do. I think I, I've said it all year. I think the four men are the key, honestly, for, for them as much as anything. And Bridges and Loner are the key. And if they play well, one of them plays well each game. They got a chance to win this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, for the record, 
nine straight games, Jalen Bridges has been in double figures. It seems, Mac, like he's kind of figured it out a little bit. He had. I, I agree with Jeff, though. I, I love their guards. I mean, Langston Love has 19 tonight. They, it just seems like most teams defensively are going to have one guy that's maybe a lockdown guy, maybe a couple, you know, good defensive guys. But like, it's hard to check three or four guards that, that can do as much as those guys can do. They can score off the dribble. They can set one another up. They can get in the lane. If you help up and the shots missed, you got you got guys that are tip dunking the ball home. I, I just think that they got an opportunity as the big fella gets back, they could really be dangerous here over the next month and a half, two months. Where, where do you see them kind of in the hierarchy of the big 12 overall? Cause I mean, look, if I, if you're going to make me bet on one team from that conference, I, I it's going to be the one that's coached by Bill self. <laughs> you could put, you could put me and Goodman out there on the wings. And I think I probably would still trust him to try to find a way to get something done. But- I, I hear you on Kansas and, and it's hard to ever bet against coach self, but Watching them at Kansas State, I felt like it was almost too much of a one-man show. And I'm a huge Grady Dick fan, and, you know, Jalen Wilson's incredible. But, like, I I just felt like down the stretch, they didn't didn't have enough around him. And it just sort of – it worried me for him, you know, and and I don't feel that way with Baylor. It should worry you. Yeah, no, it it should for Kansas. They were really good last game, and they won without Jalen Wilson. But that that's almost to me more of an anomaly than anything. That that's that's probably not going to happen again. So to me, Jalen Wilson has to have a great game. Grady Dick can't have a a two for twelve game because you can't rely on Dewan Harris and KJ Adams and and even McCuller to carry Rice. They're just not. That's not what they do. Yeah. Mm Are you worried at all, Jeff, about their defense? I mean, that's the – we talked about it with Marquette. I talked about it with Xavier. Uh, Baylor's kind of that same profile. They've been a little bit better recently, and getting JTT back will undoubtedly help. But that's – I mean, when they won their titles, they were one of the best defensive teams across the entire country. I do. Yeah, I do. Because, honestly, you got two small guards and a freshman. So, like, they're going to have to outscore you. And as good as John is, he's missed a year. He's missed a full season. So his timing's not going to be there, although it seems to be there on the three point <laughs> shot. But defensively, it's not there yet. Uh, so, yeah, I, again, I, I don't. The, the beauty of this season is you, you just look around and you're like, who? Who's going to win? Somebody's going to win six straight. Who's no. it going to be? We didn't think it was Kansas a year ago, right? It, it's going to be somebody that we're all saying, like, we don't think they can, and they're well, going to. Look, I, if if it's going to be someone, I think we can all kind of agree at this point, Purdue's probably the one that we'll put at the top of that list. I don't know how you don't have Alabama, number two. I'll put that. Houston at the top. I'll still put Houston at the top of that list. Okay, um, but, oh, they did play tonight. I was about to say they didn't play tonight, so stop uh, stop ruining my uh, my my pivots, but uh, my transitions. But They, they didn't really play. They played Tulsa. Um, no, but Alabama, look, I the way that they guard, right, the way that they – kind of space the floor how hot they can get when they make their threes the fact that most of the time Mac they're gonna have the best player on the floor in Brandon Miller who was he was awesome tonight he was out in transition had some big dunks I didn't realize quite how athletic he was like he was taking off from the logo and throwing it down to transition um, but I love the fact that Nate can roll with he has three different point guards that can give you two different looks right whether you have Quinterly out there it's Mark Sears it's Jaden Bradley and look I, I beat this point to death I know but the last like 
10 of the last 11 national champions had two point guards on the floor. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to sell me on Alabama. You know, I just I can't get the uh, Oklahoma game out of my mind for whatever reason. You know, I know that's probably the exception rather than the rule because they've proven it time after time. You know, they're not just winning SEC games. In some of these games, like tonight, I mean, it's not even a game after 10 minutes. And once that happens, like those guys just play downhill, play with so much confidence. And, it, you know, a 15-point deficit becomes 30. I mean – and I, Nate's doing it, man. He's got a lot of young guys and he's got a lot of talent on his roster. And I think Brandon Miller is as good of a freshman as I've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Well, All right. Answer, answer the question. Goodman. You just, you just tweeted it. I just saw you tweet it. I'm taking Houston. Houston. You're taking Houston over Purdue and Alabama. I, here's why. Here's why. Alabama has the highest ceiling. Okay. They do. They do. When they're good, they're frigging unbelievable. Yep. But I think they can have those games where they go two for 20 from three and keep jacking. Houston, you know what you're getting. You've got three guards that can all put the ball on the floor. They're they're strong. They're veterans. They're experienced. That's the other part with Alabama that scares me. Two of their best players, are three of their best players are freshmen. Brandon Miller, Noah Clowney, uh, and Jaden Bradley. Bradley's playing a little bit less now. You're seeing Quinterly start to play a little bit more over the last couple of weeks. Um, I love Alabama. I'm just saying I trust Houston. Those dudes have been there. Um, they've got – listen, they've they're got – They're like 25, right? they got Jairus Walker and a bunch of guys that can go rent right. cars. Well, here you check it off. You say elite coach, check. Guards, mm-hmm. veteran guards, you know, that, that are versatile, right? A point guard and shed a combo guard in Sasser, you know, Tremont Mark, a big guard, then a, a lottery pick in Jarris Walker. They have everything. You Arsenal doesn't even play that much, and he's terrific. Like, he's a pro down the road, but he's got to wait his turn. Houston and their bigs know exactly what they're supposed to do. They're tough. They rebound. They defend. Mac, I'm putting you on the spot. You got to pick one. Houston, Purdue, Alabama. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm with Jeff when he says that I think Alabama for sure has the highest ceiling. And if you showed me scores without showing the teams – and I saw 80 to 60, 97 <laughs> to 75. I could pick that, hey, Alabama advanced. Um, but their youth does concern me. You know, I, I think that 
you know, getting in a tight game, although Brandon Miller's special. Um, I'm going to go with Purdue, man. I, wow. I, I, I'm going to go with Purdue. I, I just think that, like, something about them, and I know that they have the exact opposite to what Houston has right now in the backcourt in terms of experience and older. But I, I just think the way that Matt plays, the, the fact that they're they're going to run their stuff, they got a guy that you have to double. If you don't double him, he's scoring every single time in the low post. Um, but again, go back to Kalkbrenner, an ankle sprain, whatever. I mean, you just never know. Foul trouble. Uh, that's a hard one, man. Those three are You know what really the, impressed me? You those know what are really three that would me, be Matt. in a hat for sure. Like you, you would think that a Purdue team that plays at the pace that they do, that runs everything through um, a post guy, would not be a team that could come back on somebody, right? Well, they went into Assembly Hall. They they got smoked. They got punched in the mouth in the first half. Yep. Um, Indiana hit them the way that uh, everybody in that building probably wants to hit Jeff Goodman on a daily basis. And uh, Purdue came all the way back. And they they didn't hit a bunch of threes. It wasn't like they were just um, shot Jack and got lucky and were pressing or anything. They just kind of ran their stuff. And they kept throwing it into Edie. And they kept playing defense. Like, they kept doing what they do. And they cut it to one with the ball and a chance to take the lead. Then they uh, they turned it over. Indiana scored. They came back. They had the ball again and with like 10 seconds left with a chance to tie the game. Like they they came all the way back on the road playing the way that they play. And that impressed me more than just about anything that I've seen them do this season. Yeah. I also think they're going to be battle tested, although, you know, the tournament that never really seems to matter, you know, as everybody talks about, but um, they're, uh, they're going to have played some teams and they're going to have played in some environments. It matters for the PAC 12 who hasn't won it in, you know, an eternity. Cause you know, it's like, a, Hey, hey Goodman, we got, we got about, we got about, 40, league. we got about 45 seconds here. Tell me why we shouldn't have Arizona or UCLA in that conversation or why we should in the conversation we just had. No, I, I think they're right there. You know, again, and I picked UCLA to win it all in the preseason. Their depth concerns me a little bit. Uh, I think they're both in the next tier. Do they have a chance? Sure, I think they have a chance. That's it, though. The, again, the Pac-12 is like a mid-major league this year, other than the, those two. I don't think those two have been as nearly as impressive as the three we just talked about uh, You know, throughout the year. I know Arizona's got a great record, but I haven't been as impressed as I have been with those three we just talked about. Yeah, I tend to I tend to agree with a lot of that. I think I'm a little higher on Arizona than you guys are at this point because they've really been defending recently. Listen, we just talked all about Final Four contenders and national title contenders. When we come back, we're going to do the exact opposite. We're going to talk about the Blue Bloods that are currently sitting on the bubble and whether or not Kentucky and North Carolina can actually get into the NCAA tournament this year. Goodman, come on. Goodman, you got to give me credit for that one. That was a good tease. That was a good one. That was good, Duster. That was good. Got Drew coming in a few minutes, in a minute here. I, I was preparing for that one all night. I had that, that one. That was a good down. one. <laughs> all right. Well, while we wait, while we wait for 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 Scott Drew, uh, let's. I'll shoot with the question. Brady wants to know which team is more likely to lose on the first weekend: Tennessee, Texas, or Iowa State. I can. I think we can eliminate one team there, probably. Um, I'm going to say Iowa State because they're going to have like by far the lowest seed of those two, or those of those three. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Like, I just – well, maybe not. Iowa State, there are three. Yeah, yeah but they're going to end up losing some games here down the stretch. Maybe. Yeah, but their seed won't drop much. 
That's true because they're playing against good teams every night. <laughs> <laughs> we just said three different things in every single time. Yeah, well, we said well, dude, well, I don't think there was a straight answer good, there. Goodman's got to stick with Tennessee. I mean, yeah, he, 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 I, I am. I'm sticking. Hey, with Goodman, that. what color is that over there? Green. Yeah, I'm that's sticking true. with no, no, Tennessee. No, it's red. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, it's blue. Yeah, yeah that's I'm true. Trying I'm, to, hey, I'm trying to pay attention to John Higgins tossing three guys from the Utah State game because he's 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 wrapped thirty seconds, forty two straight days. Yeah, unbelievable. All right, Dagan, give us one more. Uh, here we go. Jacob, uh, do you think UConn is final four good if the uh, bench continues to show up? I'll, I'll take this one. It's not, it's not the bench that matters. It's I, I didn't, I didn't want your, I didn't want your answer. Rob. I wanted Andre Jackson being answers. confident and Tristan Newton dropping triple doubles. If that shit's going to happen. 10 seconds. Yeah. Also Scott Drew is here. So when you're ever you're ready to bring him in, bring him in, bring him in. Here we go. Three, two. Welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark. We are live, Sirius XM, Channel 84. Uh, you can join us on YouTube. We are uh, answering questions from the chat. We're going to be jumping into the afters uh, in a little bit here in about 25 minutes as soon as we are done live. We have a special guest with us right now. It's a surprise guest. I didn't even know he was coming on. It is Baylor head coach Scott Drew. Scott, I got Jeff Goodman here with me. I got Chris Mack here with me. And let me ask you this. So Mac told us that he went fishing yesterday for six hours and didn't get a single bite. I know you're a bass fishing guy. Can you please give this man some tips? Because he is struggling over there. Mac Attack, it's great to see you, my man. What's up, Scott? Hey, thanks for wearing the Adam Flagler t-shirt tonight. I love that. <laughs> hey, it's great seeing you, uh, Jeff and Rob. So uh, uh, I will definitely, after season, love to come down and help you out with that fishing stuff. He doesn't like to give tips. He just likes to show pictures of all the bass he caught during <laughs> yeah, recruiting. Yeah, yeah. You can airbrush a lot of big fish in them. <laughs> Scott, give, give us, uh, first of all, the big news of the night, not just uh, the win over Oklahoma, which you pulled away late. Congratulations. Anytime you can get a big 12 win, Ooh, yeah. you're, you're celebrating. Yeah. How about Jonathan Chamochachua and his three-point shooting? What is going on? What what when first of all, giving him the green light, number one. Second of all, him draining threes since yeah. he's been back. What is going on? Well, when you shoot a million of them uh in rehab, you deserve to shoot them in a game. So uh and and Jeff, you've been here, you've met him. Uh Rob, I don't know if you've you've spent time with him. I know uh uh Mac Attack knows in coaching all coaches know who the special guys are and what i mean special just unbelievable workers great teammates like i promise if john if there were 13 of them everybody would coach and they would love that team i mean it's unbelievable so uh so happy for him um i tell you what you know when you're coaching and you're a parent and they call a foul on your son you get a little more mad like when they call a foul on john I just get a little more mad you know like hey that's john you know like give him a break all right you know what he's gone through the guy's lucky to walk you know i mean like um but anyway i know who you want for the super bowl jeff and i know you're obviously uh uh hugs must be sending you a, a case of moonshine for wearing that hat uh, listen, all right, number one, number one, I am rooting for Hugs to get in the NCAA tournament this year. I am, because who knows when Hugs is going to be done. He's almost 70, so I will admit I'm rooting. And number two, if you can tell me who whose jersey this was, oh, I will buy you dinners every night I see you in July. 
on the road? Yeah, I got no clue. <laughs> Mac didn't know either. You guys are my age. Wilbert Montgomery. Really? Come on. I, I do know that. Yeah. I mean, Mac I, I had no I idea. Football card. Mac doesn't even know his card. name. Mac, Mac roots yeah. for the Bengals. <laughs> I, I don't care about the <laughs> NFC. <laughs> All right, Scott, hey, talk Scott, to me a little me, bit. Of, or go ahead, Chris. I was just going to ask about big fella. You know, John, obviously he's, he's back for you. How, how much is he practicing? How much, you know, what, what are you doing between games where fans don't see? Because obviously he's had a long road to get to this point. Yeah. Um, I, I can tell you that it was, it was in, within the first week of his injury. I looked down in the practice gym. He's on a stool, got his leg in a big brace, and he's doing form shooting one foot from the rim. And I mean, like, are you serious? I mean, uh, just special. Um, but he's been in November doing some limited stuff. December, he started practicing more, but he's always been with the scout team. Right. Because, and 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 that's really helped our team. I thought when we started out, um, mid-December is when he started doing a lot more. But when we started out 0-3 in conference, that's when he was going full practices and in every rep and, and it made us tougher, more physical, but it's always been with the scout team. Right. So like when he said he's ready to go and the doctors cleared him, it's great, but there's two things I do know. One, uh, it takes time to develop chemistry and there's so many new players on our team, just like every team um, from Caleb to Jalen to Josh to uh, Langston to Keontae. And that timing is going to take some time. The second thing is, remember, Baylor is the only school to ever not have a non-conference. And I can tell you, if you come back in a, in, when we did in conference, and he's even come back after that, I use yep. the, the best analogy is Texas, we got 75 mile an hour speed limits. So everyone's going getting on the freeway <laughs> and you're going 40, 50, 60. It takes time. And that's what the non-conference does, get you up to speed. Yep. So like yep. John, this next couple of weeks going to be huge to get rhythm, figure things out. Um, Jeff, you can't go 75. You guys get stuck in traffic where you're at, but that's not. <laughs> Very well, hey, hey, Scott, my sources have told me that you don't really pay attention to those speed limit signs anyway. So you can't drive. <laughs> He's a terrible driver. He, he, he knows it. He know his wife yeah. doesn't even want him driving. <laughs> hey, hey, Scott, let me ask you this. Um, I think when someone has an injury like John's was, I think the hardest part is, is, the the mental aspect of it right where all of a sudden you go from competing with the team to now you got to sit out you don't know if you're ever going to be able to play this thing this sport do this thing that you've put your entire life into right so how did you guys help him with that i can't imagine it was easy for him to deal with yeah so so i I learned this from some men dennis Lindsay used to be a gm for the jazz um said anyone that that they had with a, a long six weeks or more the mental part especially six months or more was more important at the end than the physical. And we have some people on campus that have helped them, but we also got a specialist to help them. And that is, uh, if I could pass anything out to other coaches nowadays, um, we understand uh, 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 mental health, mental awareness, but I'm just telling you that's that let that let for anyone come back from an ACL or an injury like that. If you could get them with a, a, a specialist, someone deals with professional athletes coming back from that, that it's really helpful. Hey, Scott, I just wrote a story about Zach Eady yesterday, and I know you guys would have had him if his mother didn't. We uh, couldn't afford, in. we couldn't afford Zach. 
There's not enough food in Texas to feed Zach. All right. We we went, we went, and I'm just telling you guys, it was amazing. I have never seen this like nonstop. Like it was a steady pace. Two, three hours. It just kept going. And that was every meal. Like we got done. I'm like, I don't know how we could pay for him. So <laughs> I, I I'm sure West Lafayette, they they're doing a good job, but he's a great kid. So happy for his success. Great family. Um, you should see his hockey outfit. Um, they don't usually make them for the guys like that, but his last one was pretty big. <laughs> how about how about this, Scott? He still can't get a pair of size twenties from Nike. He's got one pair from the summer, and that's it. And it's been discontinued. Uh, Phil Knight, can we can we get can we get another pair? The kid's the national player of the year right now. Come on, what are we doing? Well, I, I tell you, there's perks to being 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 our size. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. I got size 15. Yeah. All right. You got size what? 15. 15. Wow. Yeah, he's got clown feet, Scott. He's so. got clown feet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, last one I got for you, and then I'll let you go celebrate the win. Keontae George, um, come in as a freshman, had a big impact. It's never easy for freshman guards to make that transition. Uh, how has he kind of is, – is this what you expected out of him, this level of player? Well, there, there were two things that, that uh, we knew he was a great talent. But two things we really liked. One, um, he wanted to get better. He wanted to get coached. And a lot of times you get highly touted guys that are more about they come in, my numbers, I'm out in eight months, and it's about that. And he's always been about what the coaches want. He tries to please. And then the even the better one is he tries to please his teammates. So if you get a talented player that wants to be a great teammate and wants to be coached, you're going to make strides. And one thing, again, um, I heard Dick Vitale mention it the other night. Uh, when when you put in this COVID waiver thing, it really, really has hurt the freshmen. And, I mean, you look at it like our freshmen that are playing and our three are playing more minutes than I think anybody besides Duke in the country in the Power Five. We got three of them, and, and they're going against – 24 year olds like we're playing teams with three 24 year olds like older than G League teams you're playing six-year guys nobody no other freshman has ever had to go up and when I use the analogy with these 18 or 19 year olds what 13 or 14 year olds beating you (laughs) you know what I mean so like scouts and all them it's something different because you're not comparing them normally Chris you know it's normally seniors that are going against fourth year guys Every once in a while, a fifth year. Every once in a while. But never fifth and sixth are the norm. You yeah. go through scouting reports, and, I mean, you might, you're might you getting to the second page, and you're lucky if you see a freshman. Yeah. Hey, Scott, last thing. One sentence answer. One sentence. For the Baylor Bears to go to the Final Four this year, what has to happen? Hmm. I'm going to say injury-free. And the reason is, Last year, uh, we were 15-0. and 0. We lost Jonathan. We lost um, uh, LJ. Um, and, 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 yeah, and then, and then uh, uh, Langston, we lost him at the beginning of the year. So, I mean, we were that, – that hurt. So, with the parity nowadays, I'm telling – anybody can – I mean, look, look at we've, – we've had two uh, uh, fi- last four teams in. VCU and UCLA go to the final four. Really? I mean, it's true. It's just parody. 
you know, good one, good one sentence answer, Scott. Yeah, Thank yeah. You. I okay. was gonna say that's a, that's, that was a great uh, one one sentence. I was really hoping that you were gonna say, "What do you have to do to get to the Final Four? Win four games." Thanks, yeah. Jeff. That's what I was. Thinking. I thought you were gonna say your defense. I'm not I as smart as you guys. Say your okay, defense. if you're going if you're going X and O's after we have our people to work with, um, definitely, and our defense has improved. Yep. Today it didn't. Tonight it didn't. And and I go to the psychology of coaching. I mean, OU, you knew you were getting their best effort. Porter's a heck of a coach. They got in foul trouble and had a, struggled at West Virginia. You knew after two losses they were coming in. Remember the same team that was up 31 with a minute 30 yeah. to go against Alabama, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so you're rooting for West Virginia to get in. I'm rooting for nine Big 12 or 10 Big 12 teams to get in because uh, it's a monster. Yep. Listen, Scott, I appreciate the time, man. Thank you for being here. I better get an invite on that fishing trip if you're going out with Mac Attack. Um, listen, we're going to take a break here. On the other side, we're actually going to talk about North Carolina and uh, and Kentucky, like I teased before, before uh, Scott happened to show up here. So, um, yeah, we're going to take a break now. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate, appreciate it. You. Scott, good to see you, man. Yeah, have a great night. Thank you. You too. That was that was the opposite of a good tease. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was rough. That one that, that was, one was that very was, rough. That was so bad. <laughs> that, that was rough. Hey, look, at least I the the best Mac. You could probably answer this. It's always nice to coach players that uh that know their scouting report, right? Yeah, I know my I know my scouting report. I'm a pretty good host. I can't tease. I can't do the tease. <laughs> I can't do the teases. Terrible. Can't do the teases. I'm great at teases. That's that's the strength. That's all I can do well. That's, a, that, I'm like that's about all you got. Opponent. That's about all you got. That's what, um, hey man, you said uh, you said John Higgins threw a bunch of guys out in that game. Yeah, for both teams, was there a fight? I don't. Yeah, I think there was something. I don't know if it was both teams. I didn't see it. I just read it while we we're on. But again, his schedule and he's he's. T- I feel like he's teeing up somebody every game right now. And I like Higgins a ton. I think Higgins is one of the best guys out there. Here's my question, Mac. Mac, here's my question. Yeah. And I'm on this soapbox. I don't know how much time we got. What you do got, we got? You got you got 20 seconds. 20 so maybe seconds. we save it for the afters. All right. Let's we'll save it for the afters. But I, don't let me forget to ask you about the Take coach. And write ref, that one down. The coach ref relationship here. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Ten seconds. Let's just make them as uncomfortable as possible. That's I the best part. Those fucks. <laughs> here we go. Three. Welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark. Rob Doster, Jeff Goodman, Chris Mack. We are live. Sirius XM, Channel 84, College Sports Radio. We are also streaming over on our YouTube channel. You can jump in the chat. We are answering questions there during every break. And in 10 minutes, we're going to be going to the afters. We have a lot to talk about in the afters. We uh, Our rundown kind of got blown up by the surprise guest, uh, Scott Drew. So um, we have plenty to get to there. We do have a little bit more. We need to talk about 10 more minutes. I want to talk about Blue Bloods on the bubble. Teams that are in bubble trouble. Uh, let's start with Kentucky. Because I, the, the Kentucky, Kentucky and North Carolina are both surprising to me, Goodman. But the Kentucky one... Seems like it's a little bit more easily fixable to me, but they just every time it looks like they've turned something around, another problem pops up. Where do you stand on Kentucky and where do you uh will they ever be able to figure this out defensively? So I actually think both Kentucky and Carolina are both gonna get in the tournament at the end. Now they may be in Dayton, 
and I hope to hell that I'll put them. Although maybe putting them against each other, I also I, I, I don't no, I'm either. all in on that, man. Put yeah, them. I kind of am too. Let's play the the first. That goal. one I'll give you. Most of them I want to see high major against mid, but that one, you know what? I'll take Kentucky Carolina in in the first four mm-hmm. and date. I might actually go to that game. <laughs> that would be that would be awesome. Um, all right, so we'll start with Kentucky, and, and just the fact that again, I said this the other day, yesterday. Um, Eric Musselman has been without two first round picks all year for the most part, right? Brazil's out for the year. Nick Smith probably going to come back, but he's only played three games and he's got Arkansas right now firmly in the NCAA tournament. And they just beat Kentucky in Lexington, Kentucky. On the other hand, has been healthy pretty much all year. They've got the defending national player of the year. They've got a lottery pick. One of the best versatile guards in the country who's a killer in case in Wallace and they're on the wrong side of the bubble. To me, this is on John Calipari. This is on John Calipari to figure out. And he hasn't figured it out period. He hasn't. And I think it's more, we blamed it on the lineups earlier, right? Um, at least I did. I, I, I was hard on the lineups. And it looked like he kind of fixed it a little bit by going with case Wallace, CJ Frederick and Antonio Reeves at one of the fours and she weighed the five. Now the issue is, People know how to beat Kentucky. They know how to how to break them down. They know how to get to the basket on them. We saw Self do it over and over and over again. Just put Shibway in ball screens because they're going to play drop, and Shibway can't. He has no idea what he's doing to drop. Must there's nobody in the country that Mac. Tell me if I'm wrong on this. There's nobody in the country um, that is better at finding what your weakness is and just attacking it over and over and over and over and over again than Muss. That's just what he does. He figures out how to beat you, figures out where he has an advantage, and he it's goes at NBA, right? It's yeah, the NBA and if, and if, you go, if you go watch that game, like all they do in the second half is run ball screens with, with, with against Shibway. And he just, he's not he's not good enough in drop coverage. And I, I guess, I mean, let, let's just talk big picture on this, Mac. If you're a coach and you have something that you know is a very obvious flaw in your team, it's something that can be exploited. Like, how do you solve that? especially when it involves like Oscar's the reigning national player of the year. He's the, he's the star. He's the highest paid guy. He's the big attraction. Like he's the guy that you built everything around, but like he can't guard ball screens. So how do you, how do you deal with that as a coach? Like it just, do you have, do you blow everything up and try to restart it? Do you just try to tweak what you do? Maybe instead of playing drop, you just have them hedge hard. Like what, how do you fix a situation like that? Well, I think hedging hard would be tough for him. You know, I think that you're just asking him to get in foul trouble. It's not something he's mm-hmm. done all year. Um, you know, we had that issue years ago at Xavier. You know, we had the kid Matt Stainbrook, and mm-hmm, people yeah. were putting him in ball screens. And we had you know, your favorite, Jalen Reynolds. And I love you know, what, what we ended up doing was playing a lot of zone. And, you know, we would mix our zone and man up. So it's like, okay, Muscleman wants to come down the floor every single time and pick on Shwebe in ball screen situation oh, shoot, he can on this possession because we're in zone. Then maybe the next possession, we're in man. You know, you can go misses, you can go makes, you know, maybe coming out of a timeout. If you were in man for the last three possessions, now you go zone for a couple possessions. You may you may tell your team, hey, we're going to go zone for a couple possessions until they score. And so you're just constantly giving curveballs. And so for that coach that just wants to pick on you, pick on you, pick on you. He can't really do it over and over because he's going against a different look each and every time. I know that's against Cal's MO, but I would tell you he might have to do that because it's not like you're going to put Shwebe on the bench and say, hey, let's get somebody in here who can defend Mm -hmm. ball screens because he's one of the best rebounders, if not the best rebounder in the country. 
you know, he attracts so much attention around the low post that I think you got to figure out a way to be better defensively because you need him on the floor. And I, I'm in the, I'm in the different camp. I, I think they're going to be in. I think that right now they're ahead of Arkansas in the standings. I know they lost to them the other day, but I, I think that they're playing better than they were four weeks ago. Whereas, whereas I don't think we can say the same thing about Carolina. And that's what's scary when it comes to the bubble talk to me. I don't think that I don't think that those two teams are even on equal footing at all when it comes to like being nervous about making the tournament. That's you're good obviously point. nervous all the time if you're if you're where Kentucky and Carolina are at, but I think Kentucky's going to be fine. I, I actually like that um, because you're right. I mean, Kentucky has played much better lately. There was a trajectory of them getting better. They beat Tennessee last night. I thought they took a step back, losing at home to Arkansas where Carolina has looked flat for a while now and, and not, I was at the Duke game and I actually talked to Hubert about it after the game. And I just said, listen, like there's no emotion out of your team. Like they look like they don't like playing with you. Now, not as bad as it was last year, Rob, when we were at Mohegan sun, it was it, it, really it was, bad. It was that, I think it was that bad last night. Like the the effort defensively in the first half was like what what are you what are you doing yeah like what is do you guys even care are you well you know what both of them have here's what both of those teams do have though they have five men that are not shot blocking five men at all they don't they don't protect the rim at all but they didn't protect it last year yeah and the the issue last they had a month they had one good month Chris they've now had under Hubert they've had. All right, well, so Jeff, Jeff here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? With with North Carolina, you would have expected some kind of improvement. Like we can we can bang on Cal all we want, but the bottom line is this: like he's he's gotten the team, so it's trending like this, right? They're going in the right direction. Whereas North Carolina is not. And then last night, so to me, Kentucky is like a flawed defensive team which means that they can try as hard as they want. There's still going to be ways. They're never going to be Virginia, right? There's still going to be ways that you could break them down. It was not an effort thing with, with Kentucky last night. It was kind of like a personnel um, matchup kind of a deal. Whereas North Carolina did not look like they were trying. And like, I, tell me if I'm wrong, Mac, 75% of defense is giving a fuck about playing defense. Yeah, 100%. I, I'm with you, man. That first half was brutal last night. I mean, they were down, what, 24? It was... Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of the baskets that they were getting, uh, you know, Appleby was doing a great job getting to the rim, but there were, there were a lot of things were the uncontested dunks and layups. And when that's happening, somebody's breaking down, somebody's quitting on a play, somebody's not where they're supposed to be. And, and I've seen too much of that from Carolina almost all year. Yep, they don't have their best win right now is Ohio State on a neutral. That's their only quad one win. They're and, one and eight in quad one games. And I know we're crushing them on the defensive end, but offensively, I feel like, you know, it goes hand in hand. If you're not giving a, a rat's ass on the defensive end, it's hard to play together on the offensive end. And mm-hmm. we've talked about trying to get the ball into Baycott, and it's just it's not happening. You know that they're, they're just they're taking wild shots. The ball's on the perimeter with six seconds left in the shot clock. They're not playing inside out. It's uh. It's not a good look. I think Baycott's on the perimeter a lot, you know, handing off and not really doing anything. So <laughs> he's got to touch uh, the ball somehow, right? Like, yeah, throw it into him. I, I, like, I get it, but get it's it not going to be very. It's not going to be very effective. All right, we got a, we got about ninety seconds left here, but I do want to ask you this because one of the things that came out last night, uh, Hubert said it in the um, 
in the post-game press conference, I believe, or he told a reporter or something, but he he talked about it, that they had a big, like, locker room talk, and they kind of sat down and they had a, uh, we got to air everything out, we're going to air out our grievances. That's never a good thing, like, in the middle of February, right? Like, that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of stuff you want to figure out in December, right? Can be if it's genuine, but, you know, I just watching the games lately, I, I don't I don't know how real that that talk was. I wasn't in there, so I don't know, but I've seen just as many. <laughs> Wait, you weren't in the North Carolina locker room? No, 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 no. I could have no, sworn they God. had you playing the four. Um, but I, I've seen just as many Would North talk... Carolina have been better or worse defensively if you were at the four last night? <laughs> if I were on the floor, uh, a lot worse, a lot worse. You would you use I would, I would, I would communicate pretty well, but I, that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, well, the listen. main word would be help. <laughs> <laughs> listen, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna continue this conversation in the afters. Make sure if you're listening on series, you jump over and check us out. Field of 68 on YouTube. This has been fun. Field of 68 after dark. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night, 11 p.m. So for Jeff Goodman. For Chris Mack, for our producer Kono, for producer Dagan, my name is Rob Doster. We'll see you guys again tomorrow night. Standard clear. All right, Dagan, cue up the afters. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It has been cute. It's been cute. Let's, let's open on yeah, the ref say. conversation. Yeah, yeah, open on the ref conversation. The ref conversation. All, right. All right, so here's my deal, Mac. Yep. So I'm going to defend he, I've never seen him so unenthused about having to answer a question. <laughs> Shit, where is this one going to go? No, no, no. Here's <laughs> what I say. There, there are probably 10 coaches around the country. Well, they're probably more at the low and mid-major level, but we don't see those guys. But there are probably eight, maybe six, six to eight coaches they're out of their minds that don't shut the hell up that all they do is want to talk to the, the refs the entire game and they're out of control. And my take is these refs should hammer the shit out of these coaches and run them early in the season to make it. So they know it, it's, it's over. One of which I'll say, I mean, listen, two of them are Dan Hurley and Cal Perry Two of them are Hurley and Cal Perry never stop in my opinion. And I think it would be over. And, and to me, it's just so much harder for a ref to do their job and do it well when you got somebody chirping at you the entire game and they want to talk to you. I get you all want to converse with, with, with the coaches, with the refs, and you're not nearly as bad um, with the officials as some of these guys are. But what needs to be done? Now you're watching it a little bit different. You're not in it like you were. So maybe you're, you have a different view of it. I don't know. What, what's your take on this? You know, I, I think a lot of times the NCAA will come out with points of emphasis and, you know, bench decorum or, or coach decorum has been on there before, you know, and they've always pointed to the NBA, you know, how docile those guys are on the sidelines in comparison. Yep. But it's a different game, man. It, it, it's a different game. I think the thing that, that you know, I would struggle with is 
when you when you go against a team that has a coach that just hounds the referees, you know, constantly complaining, jumping their ass, and you feel like if you're going to be that guy that just sort of like, hey, I'm going to let my players play, I'm going to let the officials official officiate. You're going to get screwed. You're going to get screwed. You, you you feel like you know that that old saying like you know, that guy's going to get a call down the stretch, you know? And, and it's like, it's really difficult to have the self-control of like not going back at the official when you feel like the other side's doing that as well. Now, there were times I'd have to have talk with myself, like leave the officials alone, yeah, yeah. you know? And, and there were a couple that were really difficult for me personally, just because I felt like Man, it, it was just a personality conflict between he and I. And there were some emotional games that, that sure. we've had over the years. So you 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 get that score sheet before the game, the pregame score sheet or whatever it's called, and you see those three officials' names and you, you see the one that you're like, Oh my <laughs> you're like, oh, God, no. I got this dude. And I I'm sure he's probably looking at his travel schedule like, Oh God, man, <laughs> I got, man, I got this guy. Yeah, and so you walk out there before the national anthem you say hey man how you doing how your kids doing all that stuff and then you you know cussing them out five minutes later but it's uh it's a challenge man it, it is and so that's that's what i would try to do is just sort of have a if i ever felt like man after the game or during the game i'm just my concentration's in the wrong spot i i got to put it back on our players and our staff and and what the other team's running or trying to do to us uh, i had to have those conversations I got one more for you before we jump off this. So John Higgins, some of these guys, even Roger Ayers, they're two of the best in the business, but they're, they're doing, you know, 12 games in 13 days and whatever, you know, eight different States, whatever, crazy shit. Right. Um, I've said they need a universal assigner here so that Higgins isn't going. They make sure he's got a day off. They make sure even if he doesn't have a day off, he's not going from Midwest to West Coast, back to Midwest. The, the, the craziest day. one, not to cut you off, the craziest yeah. one was he had a 11 p.m. Yeah. Eastern time tip at Stanford. That's right. You have to drive. The game ends at 1 a.m. Eastern time, uh, 10 o'clock Pacific time. You have to drive up to San Francisco, take a red eye to Chicago, drive two hours to West Lafayette, and he was refing at 1 o'clock uh, yeah. Eastern time in a Purdue right. game. Like 14 hours between, uh, between tips, and you're taking a red eye in between like that. That's – there's no way he's feeling good when he's when he's walking into that gym. And, no and, and you know, these guys are good. I mean, they're really good, yep. and they under they understand the game. They 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 can be emotionless in a good way about the game. But when you're fatigued, you know, when when you wake up on the wrong side of the bed or you never went to sleep, you know, things can rub you the wrong way. Uh, I, I don't know enough about the logistics to speak intelligently about like a universal assigner. You know, I've been to all these conference meetings and you've got, you know, the coordinator between three leagues and certain guys can do this league and that league. And they're, you know, they're doing consortiums. And so, Hey, now they're in a closer city. And I, I, I just, I just said, who are my freaking referees for the next game? That's all. That's all I really need to know. So I can't speak very intelligently on terms of like how they can correct it. But a guy shouldn't be working 13, 14 straight days. He just let me, let me ask you this, Mac. Beyond like the obvious, um, making all the good calls, right? Making all the right calls, getting everything correct. What makes a good official to you? Like when you're, I know people love, uh, fans love to talk about TV Teddy. Coaches love the guy, right? Why? What is it about 
someone like him, some of these other coaches, you mentioned Roger Ayers, you mentioned John Higgins, what makes a good official beyond just like getting calls right? Well, I, I think that they'll, they'll converse with you. They'll tell you they missed a call. You know, I, I think a lot of times, even though it's not helping you in the moment, for them to recognize, hey, man, I missed that one. You know, that, that was my bad. You, you might be right on that one. Because it's the time where you have that official that that just never bends. Like, I'm always in the wrong. And that, that just sort of, you know, grates on you a little bit when when you feel like he's always going to be right. Uh, but but the officials that, that can converse with you, uh, that can calm you down, say, hey, Chris, listen, I got it. I got it. I understand. They got two team fouls on them, 14 on you. I got it. Let, let me officiate. And versus the ones that just sort of like run by your bench and, and tell you to shut up, that, that, that's, <laughs> when it, that's when it gets difficult to deal with. When you retire. For, for me. When you officially retire, we'll get your, you know, top five officials that you hated. Yeah, I want to know what you mentioned that. Which retire, go ahead and tell me, man. Go ahead and ask me. Which no, official ran by the bench and told you to shut the fuck up? We know because that if you're mentioning that, that happened before. I got to know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember, man. Oh, yeah, sure. Sure. Good answer. There you go. Media training paid off for you. Dagan, hit us with some questions. Uh, I'm going to actually start with a few questions on my own that we didn't get to in today's rundown. Uh, before I get some chat questions, uh, we, we had a little section of player superlatives, and obviously I want to get you guys' answer. Oh, yeah. Um, Doster didn't get to him. He did not. We didn't have time. It's Scott Drew, Scott Drew yeah, he's kind of bombed, all, the, bombed, the, uh, bombed the Zoom. Threw everything right. off. So that's okay. Uh, which player do you think can pull a Kemba Shabazz and kind of lead their team? Mac, you want to start? Yeah, Mac, you might. You, 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 I'll, I'll let start. You I'm going to go a different direction with this, so I, I'm not going to um, say Kemba Walker. I'm going to say pull like a Danny Manning okay. because that's a different position. Doesn't have the ball in his hands. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with TJD. Wow. Indiana, wow. they've won six in hey, a row. Whoever I, thought you would say that? I mean, no. if I had told you you'd say that three years ago? I'm going to tell you, well, I, I think he's always been talented, right? But, like, number one, he's not just a back-to-the-basket player, right? He'll, he'll get a defensive rebound. He'll push it in transition. He'll take guys off the dribble. He's on the perimeter just as much he's on the, you know, in the post. And I just think he's playing with a different type of toughness. And you get Xavier Johnson back. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, when that could happen. Probably will. Yeah, my, my sources say he'll be back. The, the goal is for him to be back for the Purdue game, which gives him, I think, three regular season games. I mean, Shafino, Hood Shafino's playing extremely well. I, yeah. I just think that, like, you know, they've won six in a row now, I believe. And to me, he's that guy. He's averaging 20, 11, and four. I don't know why he couldn't do it. Yeah, it's uh, seven out of eight that they've won. I actually had TJD as one of the guys. I wrote down three names just to make sure that I would be able to get mine. I'll let you go. <laughs> I'll let you go next, Goodman. I'll let you go next. All right. Um, my pick is Keontae George. I just think he's that freshman who's just a professional scorer who can get going and put up, you know, back to back to back 25s. And, and once he gets going, that confidence will soar, and he can score at all three levels. An elite offensive player, and, and again, we as we've seen, like Baylor can put points on the board, and I think they can win it. Like you picked, Chris, like Indiana, 
has a chance to go to a final four, you got to pick one of those teams that you think can go right. to a final four and Baylor's one of those. I, I, I hate that pick for yeah. one specific reason. Like they're going to be like a two seed or a one seed. The whole point of this is to take a team off the radar and pick a guy. Mac picked a guy, a team that's going to be like a five or six seed. You pick a two seed. You pick right. a, the team we just said is going to be the best team in the yeah, Big that's, Twelve. That's, that's weak. Going that's against weak, the Goodman. entire spirit that's of the weak. question, you know, that was that was a to answer. That's what that was. That was right. a to answer, right? I didn't Only if it was to if it was to he would have given three of them. He would have been like, "I'm going to take Zach Eady. I'm going to take Deontay George. <laughs> no, Jalen Wilson. I'm taking a guy that could carry his team to a national title. I didn't know yeah, we were but going you're supposed like, to take someone off. Right. Anyway, against off the, the spirit of the question, mine. I don't. You guys, you guys might call me crazy for this one. I'm going to go with Anthony Black under the assumption that Nick Smith is going to come back at some point. And the reason I say that is Muss's teams follow a script that we've seen each of the last three years. They play like shit in January. It's like he's dropping games on purpose to make people like me say, oh, they can't win. Ah, oh, they're not any good. They can't do this. They can't do that. Then he figures out what he's got, figures out how to make it work wins everything in February, wins everything in March, and finds a way to make a run into the Elite Eight. He's going to do that again this year. He's going to get Nick Smith back, and this is the most talented team that he's had since he's been at Arkansas. I know he's got a bunch of freshmen, but with Nick Smith back, you're going to have two lottery picks. You're going to have a, a 20, like 23, 24-year-old Ricky Council who might end up being an NBA player. you got a couple big guys inside that he's kind of figured out how to use in the Mitchell Twins. Until uh, he runs into play. the Hoosiers. Yeah, until he runs into the Hoosiers. There you go. Baylor doesn't count in this conversation. What's the second one of this? Uh, well, of, well, first uh, off, I, Rob, I really thought you were going to go with Justin Moore there. I know that you love a little bit of Bill Nova. You know? Just do the whole thing like <laughs> I Kemba thought about it. Just, just I thought the about whole it. Thing, the whole thing back. Um, all right, next one. Uh, who can pull a step and get a mid-major to the second weekend? You don't have one, Dagan? What? Oh, you, I'm, I'm, oh, I mustn't cut out, so I didn't even hear what you guys said. Do you have one? No, of course I don't have one. I'm the producer. Nobody cares. About, nobody cares. Nobody cares what I think. Uh, who can pull a Steph uh, and get a mid major to the second weekend? This is easy. Go ahead. I got. I got two. Go ahead, Mac. Uh, the first one's easy. I mean, he's already done it. Max Abrams, you know, at Oral Roberts. I mean, he was in the Sweet Sixteen a couple of years ago. He's averaging twenty-two a game. Um, you know, they beat Ohio State. They beat Florida. They almost beat your Arkansas Razorbacks to get to the Elite Eight. So, but they didn't. I know they did. <laughs> the question was, can he, who can get to the first, uh, the second weekend? Um, mm -hmm. The other guy, I'm going to sort of a little bit more off the radar, and they're they're slightly above middle of the pack in Conference USA. Would be Jelly Walker at UAB. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I like that. I That'd like be that. another guy to put on the radar for a mid major to get to the first through the first weekend to the second weekend. All right, my, mine, I'm going to steal yours, Rob, because I, I would assume you're going to go with this guy, Aiden Mahaney at St. Mary's. Um, Mid-major guy, freshman. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm cutting you off. Mid-major St. Mary's, yeah. He's he's <laughs> mid-major. Look at the Jimmy's in. Come on, their come budget. on, Goodman. What, what is this? Goodman, you're not allowed to play this game Goodman. anymore. Goodman. Look at their budget. You're not allowed to play this game anymore. St. Mary's is a mid-major. St. Mary's is a mid-major. Go, Go to Morocco. Go to that gym. Oh, I know it's a mid-major, but they okay. – Go ahead. Mid-major. Go ahead. St. Mary's. That's it? That's all you got? Just mid-major St. Mary's? Go ahead. Unbelievable. I'm out. Um, I'm going with Darius McGee at Liberty. He's a guy that can put up 30, 35, 40 on any given night. 
Um, he plays for a coach that we've seen have a little bit of success in March. Yeah. Uh, Liberty can guard. They know how to play. They got other players on that roster. Um, the two for me are obvious. It's Max Acemus and, and Darius McGee. I would have gone Max Acemus if you didn't steal him, Mac. Um, the biggest reason why is Connor Vanover and Isaac McBride. Like, it's not just him. They got other high major dudes on that roster. Seven yeah. foot eight guy that can make threes. Uh, McBride started at, was it Vanderbilt? I think might be making that up somewhere. Um, anyways, that's who I, uh, that's who I would go with. Dagan. What's the last one. All right. We got one final one and I'm very excited to hear Jeff's answer for this one. Cause we're, yeah. we're over two. <laughs> we're over two. So uh, Brandon Miller, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> uh, who's the player that can ra- uh, raise their draft stock the most in March. Goodman, go Goodman. first. I got, I I'm, I'm dying to hear what you got to say for this. one. <laughs> um, I am going with an Alabama Wimbayama. player. I am going with an Alabama player. Ooh, I know who you're going with. But I'm going Noah Klein. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I think if he gets hot from three, and he, he's been ice cold lately, but, again, he's a big, athletic, skilled dude. And to me, I, I just think if they go deep and he starts making shots from three, like, teams are going to be like, holy shit, this, what, what can't this dude do in time? Again, he's still raw. But he's one of those dudes that's got all all the the skills, all the ability, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a tough time with this question because I don't necessarily think that their team's going to go crazy far in a tournament. I do think they're a tournament team, but I, I don't see them getting to an elite eight or final four. And that's obviously what you have to do in order to really get seen and, and sort of shoot up the drafts. But Terquavion Smith from NC State, who I don't think the rest of the country truly knows about, you know, he's got really good size for a guard. He can break you off the dribble, score it any way he wants. He's electric. If he gets a little bit stronger, I'm sure he's already on mock draft boards. I'm not sure where, but I can see that dude being a, a, a long time NBA player and a guy that can get some buckets. Mac, you know what's funny? He was one of the guys that I had written out for the uh, the Kemba Walker thing. Yeah. One of the, the under-consideration for a guy that can make a run to the Final Four or National Championship. And I All told right. you, like, last year we played we played them twice. And the first time we played him at NC State when when Matt Cross hit that three in the corner and he was taking – Terquavion was taking these wild, crazy shots. And I've been watching them on film, and I'm like, this dude has no clue how to play. Then a couple weeks later they're at our place, and it's like, my God, there we couldn't we couldn't stop him. I mean, our guys were like twelve to fifteen feet off of him when, when he gave you the little hezzy and and act like he was going to go around. You guys were dropping off so far, and he he's a terrific talent. Yep. All right. So I I went full to on this one. I got two. Uh, the first one is Julian Phillips. Right. If Tennessee finds a way to make a run, I think it's going to be because they turn him into a go to guy. He was a top. 10 top 15 recruits, something like that made his commitment on the field of 68, by the way, that was the fraudulent uh, volunteers is good. Fraudulent <laughs> volunteers. If they prove to not be fraudulent. It's going to be because Julian Phillips wakes up and if they make a run, then he's going to uh, fly up those draft boards. The other one that I have, I'm curious to see what your response is going to be to this Goodman. It's Coleman Hawkins. If Indian, if uh, Indian, if Illinois makes a run, a lot of that's going to have to do with the fact that Coleman Hawkins plays well. 
when Coleman Hawkins plays well, when he's at his best, you got a 6'10 dude that makes threes and passes off the dribble. That's everything that NBA scouts are looking for. If How many directional four, schools? How many directional schools will make the NCAA tournament? You did, you uh, be, he'll he'll play one of them. Yeah, he'll play, he'll play like one of them, but Regardless, if, if you have a three-game stretch yeah. where you get good Coleman Hawkins on a national yep. stage, like someone's going to fall in love with that dude, and he's going to end up being like a top 18 pick. Now, there's a very good chance that you could get bad Coleman Hawkins in the first round, and Indiana lose, uh, Indian. Illinois loses by 25 to some like 11 seed or something like that. That could very well happen. But if Coleman Hawkins plays his best, he's the kind of guy that can uh, fly up those draft boards. Yeah, no, I, listen, Coleman Hawkins is, is – NBA teams love right the 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 long athletic skill big mm-hmm. um who can switch on defense. So yeah, I mean if he gets going, you're right. I mean he can move from a second rounder to in the first round. Yep. Dagan, what do we got in the chat? Uh, we're gonna ask a few a few chat questions here, but you everybody seems to be losing it. Well, Max still still going strong, but Doster and Goodman seem to be losing it. Illinois, Indiana, can't really figure out the difference. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 a, it's a little late for you guys. Twi- twice in like one sentence. That was bad. Yeah, that, that, was, that, <laughs> was, that was Between tough. that and my tease, Your like, tease. Goodman, yeah. I got to be cut off. Tease has been rattled. <laughs> yeah, that last tease was not, was not it. Um, <laughs> Michael asked this the other night, and I'm going to ask it to you guys as well. Um, your alma maters, or in your case, Rob Sinter, alma mater doesn't play in the NCAA tournament, will give you UConn. Uh, where do you guys see them in the tournament this year? Goodman, we'll start with you. How high do you think they can get as a seed? Or where do you see them ending up being seeded? So, Arizona for you. Uh, I mean, I think Arizona could get a one, but they're not going to. I think they're probably a two at the end of the day. Two, three. Uh, probably a two because, again, there's just not a lot in the Pac-12 that's that's overwhelming. But they've shown they could lose to some teams that they shouldn't lose to uh, also, uh, like Utah, like Washington State at home. So, yeah, I mean, I like him. I like him a lot. I think Tommy's done a great job with him this year. Most people the last two years haven't had him in the preseason top 25. And they're they're in the hunting. And that's everything because now he'll get momentum. He's got recruiting momentum now. So where where they could have he could have lost it out of the gates. Uh, so I would say it too, Seed. All right, I'm going to Mac next because I don't want to hear about UConn right now. So uh Mac Xavier for you. Yeah, I I think they'll be uh, around a three seed, you know, as long as they sort of stay, you know, where they've been at it, they, if they end up winning the big East. They could maybe get to a two seed. Um, and I, I think that we've been talking about it really from the beginning. I think they can score on anybody. You know, I, I think they get Fremantle back. They'll, they'll figure out a way to play a little bit more uh, depth while he's out. They get him back. And as long as he's, you know, 90% of what Are he you was worried about that, Chris, as a coach, it sounds like he's going to come back right before the end of the, the you know, probably for Big East tournament play. So maybe he gets in two games, maybe three. Who knows how many he gets in Big East tournament play. How worried should people, Xavier fans, be about that? I mean, as a coach, you're only worried about your next practice. You know, we'll deal with that when it comes down the pipe. Now we get to where where he's been released and he's able to practice we'll sort of have a, a, a feel for how many minutes we can give him, how much confidence he has in himself. You know, if he looks exactly like he did before he went down, if, you know, if he's hesitant, you know, you, you'll sort of figure that out through the, the practices and, you know, leading up to that first game, he'll get his jitters out first game, but you know, Zach, he's not a freshman now. He's, you know, he's in his, I think, fourth year of college basketball, right? He's, 
He's seasoned. He's he's been through this injury before. Um, I, I think it helps your depth. And if Sean can continue to win games without him, I, I think you're always going to welcome back, you know, your, your best scorer, your guy that like was their sort of go-to guy in the post, you know, over the last several weeks. Would you be worried about playing a guy coming off a foot injury in a setting where it's going to be like three straight back-to-back games? Um, yeah, I would be. I mean, I, I, again, I think that you take that sort of a, a game at a time. I know that sounds cliche-ish, but you don't walk into the tournament saying, hey, we're going to have to play three games in three days. You don't know that. You're worried about – But if you do, on- Chris, if you do, let's say his first game is the first game of, of, of the Big East tournament. It would be like Thursday, let's say. Right? You win Thursday, you play him 10 minutes. Are I you just listening to the doctors? Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to the doctors. You're listening to the trainer. You're listening to – you know, how honest the kids try, you know, trying to be with you. Like some guys are going to be really mature coach. It's not bothering me at all. I promise you yeah. some guys you can sort of tell are sandbagging, but again, if he's only playing 10 minutes a game, I, I would think that he'd be able to go the, the second night. Now you'd have a real conversation. You happen to win game two and you're going to the finals. Um, that would probably be a, a little bit, a little bit more analytical with with making sure that you were putting him in a good position for the championship and beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a perfect. Yeah. I think that's a. Go ahead, go ahead, Mac. Finish your point. No, it's going to be it. That's going to be a consideration for sure. Yeah. That'll be interesting. All right, I think that's a perfect time to go toast. Nobody wants to hear about UConn and, and Rob talk about them. So. All right. Go <laughs> I'm, ahead. Just, I'm just kidding. Comes. I'm just kidding, Rob. Go ahead. Well, look, it, <laughs> UConn has a win over. Alabama, a win over Iowa State, went over Oklahoma State on neutral. They beat Creighton at home. They beat Marquette at home. If they win at Creighton and then they win the Big East tournament, like I think a two seed is probably within reach. I think it would be more likely be a three seed. Um, but they, I mean, there's a reason why their metrics are still so <laughs> ridiculously high right now because they have all of these good wins already stockpiled. So I think it could be a two. Perfect. All right, I'll give us one more, and then we can get to toast of the night. Also, chat, 300 people watching, only 62 likes. That's very, very weak. Hit the like button. For smash that like yeah, button. Yeah, smash the like button. Just smash smash that like button. It's not that hard. It takes a second. Um, who is going to win the ACC regular season title? Because we love Virginia. talking about the ACC. Virginia, 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 Virginia. We said that. A lot of us said that in the preseason. I think Mac and I both, didn't we? Yeah, I, I always want to say Virginia. Me too. I mean, Tony Bennett has owned the regular season for basically the last decade when Kay's been in it, Roy's been in it, Bayheim's been in it. So, you know what? Last I checked, uh, only one of those guys has left. Uh, so he's going to own it going forward. All right. That's All right. it for me. Toast the night. All right. Good to me. Toast the night. Toast of the night. Two. The thinnest skinned head coach in the country, the guy who blocks everybody on Twitter. Oh my God. None other than Jerry Stackhouse. And I do mean it. Honestly, it's a hell of a win. You beat uh, Tennessee coming in. I know I've said I don't think Tennessee's the, the, the top five team. That's still a hell of a win uh, and a hell of a play drawn up at the end by Jerry Stackhouse for the win. Well, Stack, here you to go. That. Unblock me, Stack, please. Matt, go ahead. 
I'm trying to remember, man. Did did Duquesne they win tonight or was that last night? No, they won tonight. But Keith Dambrot, what did he get his 500th win? Mm-hmm. He did. And um, never never played him head to head, but we did a couple scrimmages, and I was always amazed that in October he could already have 572 plays in his play card <laughs> when the rest of us in October would have about four or five that we couldn't even run correctly. So <laughs> that play card has served him well. So congrats, Coach Dambrot, 500th win. All right. Uh, my toast of the night is going to go out to um, whoever is in charge of building the court uh for the university of maine maine had a huge game tonight against vermont uh and they had to take apart the court and rebuild it delay the game for like what was it 90 minutes goodman because when uh when vermont walked out on the floor to go warm up the baseline wasn't straight the letters weren't making sense the foul line wasn't straight it was uh it didn't work out well. So there's all these. And John Becker pictures. went, Hey, he went during the day for shoot around and it was kind of screwed up. And he just assumed it would be better by the time the game started. And it wasn't. No. So my toast of the night is going to go out to who was, whoever was in charge of doing that the first time, because like either you got yelled at or you may be looking for a new job. So you probably were going to want to drink with us. So <laughs> <laughs> cheers. Cheers to you. There you go. Listen, this has been the Wednesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. We'll be back again tomorrow night, 11 p.m. Eastern time on Sirius, live streaming on YouTube. Goodman is still holding up that fake Eagles jersey. I don't Goodman, think please, old. please stop. You're, please, yeah. We don't need this. Please Robert stop. Montgomery, come nope, on. Nobody can see that. Now, no, now nobody can see that. That's ass. not that. Was, no. Now all we see is your ass. You look like oh, an offensive God. lineman. We'll be, we'll be back tomorrow. Oh, I we'll was be back tomorrow eating a lot.